You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, we're also joined by the king of wrong, John Kegley, one of the original members of the show, on with us today. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. For Chargers fans, we all know how you guys watch. It's usually checking your heart rate to make sure the Chargers don't give you a heart attack, but you need some Pepsi because Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome to anyone who is checking out the show for the first time today. We really appreciate that, and a special thank you to all of our fans as well that are coming back to check us out again, and I think we have a really good show for you guys today because we're going to start with the news that... Andy Reid talked in a press conference and said that the Chiefs will be resting some starters going into next weekend's game against the Chargers. So it looks like Anthony Lynn will have a chance to really wrap the season up on a four-game winning streak. So we'll talk about an article by Daniel Popper talking about what he thinks is going to happen with Anthony Lynn. And then like we do every week in the second segment, we're going to get into what went wrong for the Chargers on Sunday against the Broncos because anyone who watched the game would be able to tell you that even though the Chargers won, there was some luck involved. There was a lot of things that still went wrong on their way to the win, but we will end the show on a positive note when we get into our silver linings with the what went right segment. And we'll talk about some of the good takeaways from Sunday's game. I mean, even Michael Badgley, you know, is something good to take away from Sunday's game. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid said that they would be resting some starters when they play against the Chargers. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. The Kansas City Chiefs have now wrapped up the AFC and will have a first round bye in the playoffs. And what that means for the Chargers is that they could not be seeing all of the starters from Kansas City play in their Week 17 matchup. He did not say who was going to play. We do not know if someone like Patrick Mahomes is going to play, but there's also not much upside for him to play. He did say he's been down this road a couple of times and he's had the opportunity to rest guys and that they will do that. He said, we'll rest up some guys. I'm sitting here and kind of waiting on the guys to come and get treatment and see exactly where we stand with any injuries and that. So this is a situation that the Chargers have gone up against the Chiefs several times in the past, most recently going up against Chase Daniel and the Chiefs a few years back when the Chargers were trying to make the playoffs. And one of the games they ended up winning, the other they ended up losing even to the Chiefs backup. But David, we do know at this point that the Chargers will have a much better chance no matter what going up into this matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs because some of those starters will probably be resting. Absolutely. And although Andy Reid did not say that Patrick Mahomes was not going to play, he strongly hinted that Chad Henney was probably going to start the game and play most of the game. So we don't know that for sure. But 
if you read in between the lines, that's pretty much what Andy Reid is saying. And he also went on to say, listen, in the past, I've been okay with it. The way we've gone about it, the way we've practiced in between the dead period there, the bye week period, I feel comfortable if needed here to rest guys, which I'm leaning in that direction. I'm confident that we can do it the right way, and I'm not worried about rust because there is always that conversation going into this situation in the playoffs to do you want to be sharp and you know, take some momentum going into the next week, or are you going to rest guys and potentially risk having those guys be rusty and go out, get off to a slow start? Because in the playoffs, as we all know, it is one and done. But I would not be surprised, Daniel, if we don't see Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and then on the defensive side, probably no Chris Jones or Tyron Matthew. I don't think any of those guys are probably going to play against the Chargers on Sunday because this game means absolutely nothing to the Chiefs. It is one of those things. It's always rest versus rust. Which one is going to help you out the most? But for an experienced head coach like Andy Reid, who now has a Super Bowl championship under his belt, he knows what he's doing there, and they have done this before. But one of the only things that looks like it could stop the Chiefs right now from another deep playoff run is someone like Patrick Mahomes getting hurt in that game, so it doesn't make any sense to have him out there. And the Chargers, even going up against backups, I don't think are a sure thing. So far in Vegas, the betting line for the game is the Chiefs still favored in it. So we don't know who is going to play yet, but either way, I still would imagine it could still be a close game. But what this does do is it gives Anthony Lynn and the Chargers a chance to end the season on a four-game winning streak. And if you ask Daniel Popper from The Athletic, he recently wrote an article. And in that article, David, he said that he would be surprised if Anthony Lynn is not the coach going into 2021. Yeah, which I'm sure is not what Charger fans out there want to hear, but it seems increasingly likely that that is a possibility knowing the Chargers organization and Dean Spanos and how they like to operate. And there's a few reasons for that. I mean, he's very well respected in, in the building, and that's because that they had some success coming after those years leaving San Diego where they were able to, you know, get to the playoffs and have a, you know, respectable winning record. Um, and he also has had a hand in playing a part in Justin Herbert's historic rookie season. So those are all things you have to keep into account, but you also have to look at the other side of the token and, and, Daniel Popper gives plenty of reasons why he feels that Anthony Lynn should not be the coach going forward. And most of those are game management style decisions. Bad clock management before halftime against the Falcons where they you know, play, had a running play instead of a passing play with no timeouts go, going into the halftime. Coaching not to lose. Some inconsistency on fourth downs, not knowing when to go for it, where, when not to go for it. Uh, just a lot of these type of decisions. And he says, hey, this is just how Anthony Lynn is going to coach going forward. You just have to expect if you're going to keep Anthony Lynn as the head coach that this is how it's going to be going forward. And I think that's one thing that's most alarming about the last three games is you've still seen the Chargers make some of those colossal mistakes that have cost them games in the past and early on this season and last season for that matter. Even when it was Phillip Rivers, games were still ending the same way and you haven't seen any major improvement from Anthony Lynn in that department. So I would agree with Daniel Popper. I don't think it's the right decision to bring Anthony Lynn back because of this three-game winning streak. I mean, you have the two missed field goals against the Raiders with Anthony Lynn deciding to kick those field goals instead of trying to go for a touchdown in those situations. He could have went for a touchdown last week on fourth and two from the two-yard line, and he decided to kick a field goal. There is no consistency because earlier on that drive, they had gone for it 
on a fourth and eight situation. So all of those things put together, I think you could still make a major argument that Anthony Wynn is not getting better at time management. He's not getting better at game management. And all of these games are a little bit fluky in the way that the Chargers have won them because every other team, whether it was the Falcons or the Broncos or the Raiders, has had just as good of a chance to win because of what the Chargers have done wrong. So I think that the Chargers should be looking for someone else. And I think you also have to take into account that there are guys like Brian Dable, who's been really successful with Josh Allen as the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator that could be available. And you could pair Justin Herbert up with a great mind to potentially even get more out of him than we've seen from him this season. So when you have options like that on the table, but you want to go back to the same guy who keeps making the same mistakes, I think that's going to be a hard sell for Charger fans. But we do have two more segments to get into because we do have to get into what went wrong with our expert John Kegley and talk about some of the faux pas from the game on Sunday against the Broncos. And then we'll wrap the show up with what went right coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you guys don't have any action on the games coming up this weekend, you are doing it wrong. And the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is a betonline.ag. Football season is coming to a close, but we still have one more weekend. We still have the playoffs, and that's when usually all of the best bets come out. And if you guys haven't been betting on sports, this is a great time to do it because not only can you do it with betonline.ag, which is the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust, but you can also get some free money as well. If you guys sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. And if you guys haven't done it before, when you're watching games that you have money on, it makes it 10 times more exciting. So make sure you guys set up your free account at betonline.ag and make sure to use that promo code locked on all caps one word for your 50% welcome bonus all right guys well now it's time to get into one of our patented segments where we take a look at the previous game and talk about what went wrong from that game and no matter what game the Chargers have played I mean even their biggest point differential win against the Jacksonville Jaguars they still blew a 16 point lead in that one and had to come back before they ended up winning by double digits but The key to that is that there's always something that can go better for the Chargers and there's always things that you can point out from a game, especially like the game against the Broncos where something went wrong. And luckily, we have John Kegley, the King Kong of wrong, the pessimist, the guy who sees the glass half empty, the guy that's always going to keep it real for you in a win or a loss. So, John, when you're looking at Sunday's game, what's the first thing that you want to pick on as far as something that you thought went wrong? Well, I had a hard time picking the first thing I wanted to do for one reason that's because one thing actually happened the other one could have happened so what I mean by that is in the second half we got a lot of really conservative play calling like kicking a field goal on fourth and two not letting Herbert really take shots in the second half really just letting the Broncos get back into the game with conservative play calling which we've seen so much this year and it still will not change even though you went for it on fourth and eight near the midfield line, but yeah, you won't go for it on fourth and two near the end zone. I don't get that. That's You're talking about really playing it safe there when you could have really put the game away. Go, running the ball on first down when you kind of can just put the game away with a f- first down throw. But the thing that really bothered me more didn't really actually happen. Like You left Jerry Judy open so many times, but he kept dropping the ball, so you can't really use that as it affected you. Because in the end, the Broncos would have to keep punting the ball. But if he would have caught all those balls, this game looks way different after that. Especially he dropped one that looked like it would have went for a touchdown. A lot of third down drops. If he catches those balls, this game is probably going in the Broncos' favor. 
and it's not like he dropped two or three balls that made a big difference. He dropped a lot of balls, and you kept he leaving him open passes. still. And he, you, the you most still kept in the leaving, NFL this season, five. And you still, you still kept leaving him open. He even caught a couple. Like when eventually, when Maybe do you that go? Wasn't hey, that wasn't a bad guy, strategy to leave him open. <laughs> like, but eventually, though, like when do you eventually go? Hey, you know that guy seems to be getting himself open a lot. We should just probably do a little bit better job covering because eventually he's probably going to catch that ball and make us pay. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is when somebody is that open and you're seeing the drop, that should be the moment where you say, oh, hey, we got away with that one. Let's not let that happen again. And you just really didn't see that adjustment. And that's like for the defense. Yes, they did some good things, and we'll get into some of the things they did well and what went right. But obviously, there was some things that they should have been a lot more you know, tighter on as well. And obviously, I thought it was an admirable performance without Joey Bosa, but you're right. It reminded me of the last time the Chargers played against Andrew Luck, where the Chargers ended up winning that game, but there was like so many drop passes in that game where it just could have been a totally different game. But to get back to what you were saying on the offensive side of the ball, when the Broncos were scoring, you know, 13 straight points at one point, the Chargers offense had it many chances to put the game away and they just weren't doing it. I mean, first of all, only putting up 19 points in the game and having three of those really come off of a return from Nazir Adderley is bad enough in its own right. But getting stagnant late in the game when they were scoring those 13 straight, the Chargers had two possessions where they could add on to their lead where they could really even put the game away to some extent or at least make it much more difficult for the Broncos to come back in those two possessions. They had two three and outs and they had a total of six yards. One of them was a three play negative three-yard drive. And I just think we've seen that way too often this season, especially when the Chargers had a lead. And a lot of these games, the Chargers haven't been leading by as much the ones that they've won. So you haven't been able to see them blow big leads like they did again in Sunday's game. Another double-digit fourth-quarter comeback by the Broncos that ended up falling short. But still, those possessions, I mean, you have such a good opportunity to keep the gas on, keep your foot on the gas pedal and the Chargers let the Broncos off the hook to some extent. And I think a lot of that had to do with them just, you know, not trusting Justin Herbert to throw the ball past the first down marker, which is where he is exceptional and where he is at the best. But I mean, I also agree with what you said about just puckering up late in the game, David, we talked about it a little bit on yesterday's show, but when you have nothing to lose and you're still not going for the touchdown, that's like what we were talking about. Even in the news segment today, it's like some things like that for Anthony Lynn just don't seem like they're ever going to change. And that's really troublesome for me because it's like those are the situations where you can put games away emphatically, where you can really put your stamp on it as a head coach saying, hey, look, I went for it and it worked out. Or even I did, I went for it and it didn't work out, but at least I'm going to be the guy that's trying to put the game away and not just try not to lose. Right. I mean, that's the big problem. He's just not aggressive. He he just doesn't go for the throat and put games away. I mean, look, you saw the Buffalo Bills and the, the New England Patriots play on, on Monday Night Football, and the Buffalo Bills just smashed them. I mean, they kept going. They kept scoring. They kept on separating themselves from their opponent. The Chargers don't do that. I mean, they do it in the first half. You know, they, they get a good size lead and, you know, you feel uncomfortable, but they allow all their 
opponents to come back and you know there's no there's no opponent that is down to the chargers at halftime that that really feels scared or uncomfortable because they know that they're just waiting for the chargers to mess things up and it seems like they've just avoided that these last three games they just have they haven't won in convincing fashion it's just been okay well they've done enough to you know where they haven't made the, the last mistake they you know the other team did that but for me my what went wrong in this game was more of a personnel decision and it was they they healthy scratched joshua kelly and i hated that and they did that for six combined carries for Kalen Bellage and Justin Jackson for 18 total yards. I mean, why are you doing that? Go out there and give this young kid some more reps, especially when this season doesn't matter. He needs to get his confidence going back. He seemed like he was running pretty decently the last couple of games when he got opportunities, but he's a healthy scratch. I feel like at this point in the season, there's no reason why Joshua Kelly should be a healthy scratch in any game. You need to get him out there, get him reps. I just, I hate that decision. Honestly, I didn't have that much of a problem with it only because Joshua Kelly has been so ineffective. And I think if you're Anthony Lynn, you're still trying to win these games to save your job. And I think the more concerning part about it is that He's not being able to be good enough on special teams when he's not playing running back that you're able to have him be a healthy scratch. So I think that's honestly the most concerning part to me. It's not that I don't think Joshua Kelly can get his groove back. I do think he could be okay, but at a certain point, he is what he is, and he wasn't helping the Chargers, at least running the football. Justin Jackson and Keelan Blige didn't get a lot of those carries anyway, so it's hard to imagine that he would have gotten a ton of those. And when he has gotten them, he hasn't been good with those carries. So, I mean, really, anyone outside of Austin Eckler hasn't done a lot with it, at least hasn't been efficient with those carries. And if you take away the two big runs from Austin Eckler on that last drive, the Chargers go 18 for 55 instead of 20 for 89, which is over four yards per carry. But really, that was just on the back of Austin Eckler, who was averaging two point something yards per carry going into that final drive, going up against a team where you had over 200 rushing yards the first time you went up against them. So the balance definitely wasn't there for the Chargers offense, yet they tried to get it going too late a lot in that second half where they would run it twice on first and second down and then force Justin Herbert to be in a bad situation where he's in a third and long, and they're not able to do it, but... This hey, is one Daniel, that- that's another thing, too, is the third and the longs. I mean, they were terrible on third down in this game. They were 3-4-12 on third yeah. down against the Broncos. That is completely unacceptable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's huge, and I think that a big reason for that, I mean, obviously there were some tip passes on a third and one where they tried to throw the ball, and the ball gets tipped in, at the line of scrimmage, and they're unable to complete it. There's another one that gets tipped by a linebacker early on where Justin Herbert was trying to find Mike Williams. That's a play they wish they could have back, and that was a throw that I'm sure Justin Herbert wishes he could have back as well. But, yes, I mean, you're not going to win many games, but a lot of that comes up because you are getting yourself set up in third and long situations where they know Justin Herbert is going to throw the ball, and they probably will be able to get pressure because of how poorly the the Chargers offensive line is playing. But I think that one of the things that went wrong in this game was Mike Williams, actually, John. And I want to know what you kind of think about this, because I thought this was a game where Mike Williams could go out without the shadow of Keenan Allen and show that, you know, he can be the wide receiver one when he had to. And it's not as if he had, you know, a bunch of blatant drops or anything like that. But what I would say is he did have the opportunity to make some plays and he wasn't able to do it. And I think that as much as you love 
Mike Williams' big play ability when he's out jumping guys to make you know get catches and stuff. It's always been semi inconsistent, and this is just another season where not only is he not being able to put up some of the numbers we've seen from him in the past. I mean, one year he has ten touchdowns, the other year he has a thousand receiving yards. It's hard to know whether or not he's still going to be worth fifteen million dollars next season, even after a game where he is the no doubt about it number one receiver he ends up going four for 54 on 10 targets so I came away from this game still not knowing whether or not Mike Williams should be in the future plans for the Chargers because it just doesn't seem like Justin Herbert and him or are on the same page and if you're going to pay a wide receiver 15 million dollars it's hard to justify that with the production that he's been able to put up well I would also argue that a lot of the throws this season have mostly been behind the line of scrimmage or right around the line of scrimmage, which isn't a Mike Williams type of throw. So I would argue that he's probably not getting his production just because they're not making him the focal point, if you will. Like Keenan Allen, when he's on the field, is becoming a focal point. He's the quick slant guy. You get the ball quick to him, he's probably going to get you a first down. Mike Williams, it seems to be the afterthought in this offense, whereas when Phillip Rivers was in this offense, he was, it was the focal point this Allen. week. It was either Keenan Allen or it was either Mike Williams. I'm just talking about just for the season right now. And, but in this game, I felt that he dropped that one touchdown, and that probably would have made his numbers look a little bit better. But I feel for the most part, I feel like Herbert was really just trying to f- hurry up and find someone to throw, and Mike Williams I don't think fits that. That's that's just how I felt during it because I kept wondering when Mike Williams was going to step up in this game too. I was thinking this has got to be his 100-yard game his two-touchdown game. It's got to be his blowout game. And if not for him, it's got to be Guyton or Tyrone Johnson that gets that role because maybe they're double-covering Mike Williams or something. But I never really saw many shots, really. I never saw the deep shots that we were supposed to see, which is something I think is also what goes wrong. You have backup defensive backs for the Broncos, and you were not taking the shots. You have a Mike Williams who can out-jump guys, who can also catch – Pretty good intermediate routes and make guys miss and run after the catch. Tyrone Johnson can beat guys deep. Jalen Guyton can beat guys deep, and you never took the shot. I want I want to blame play calling on it, but I also just feel like Mike Williams just didn't fit what they were trying to do, and that that makes me agree with you that he might not be worth the fifteen million, so he might be getting traded eventually after what they found with Tyrone Johnson and uh, Jalen Guyton. He might get traded for a draft pick. He could, and I think what it really also showed in this game too, though, is that with Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton, you know, maybe those guys also aren't ready to be the number two wide receiver behind Keenan Allen. I mean, I think we all were excited when they were able to have the output the game before when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were both super limited, but both those guys ended up coming down to earth a little bit, but that could also be a byproduct of not taking those shots at, you know, at any real point in this game when the Chargers really should have been at least testing the Broncos deep. But I also think that comes down to trust again with Justin Herbert and them letting him kind of uncork those balls down the field, which he's shown that he can be really good at. I mean, there's not many times where Justin Herbert is loading up and throwing it deep downfield that he's getting intercepted. I mean, honestly, I can't really think of one where they're actually taking a really deep shot and he has an interception. I mean, sometimes the ball could be overthrown a little bit or whatever the case is, but usually those balls are only ending up in the hands of his receivers or no receivers. And not using those receivers for what they're really good at, which is just running, I mean, I think is a big mistake by the Chargers offense in this game. And I think it also led to the output of, you know, having to settle for field goals and only being able to put up 19 points. But 
obviously the Chargers still did win this game. So there were some positives that we can take from this, even though, you know, it was a very frustrating game to watch. So we will be getting into the silver linings from this game coming up in the last segment. But first, I got to tell you guys that if you want to break through the wall like the Chargers have late in the season on their three-game winning streak, in your day, what you need is Built Go from the creators of Built Bar. This is the energy supplement that you need to get through your day. If you don't have time to take that nap at 5 o'clock, which is usually when I need to take my nap, you can use Built Go to power through and get everything done that you need. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, and it's like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results, and it comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. And right now, we have an offer for our listeners. If you guys go to BuiltGo.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, well, it's time to get into the positive side from the game on Sunday. And, of course, we'll start with David Drogmeyer, who is the anti-John Kegley. He is the optimist. He was the only one that picked the Chargers to win against the Raiders. And, David, I have no doubt that you'll be able to find something to kind of draw from this game that Chargers fans should feel good about. So, when we're looking at the bright side from the Chargers win on Sunday against the Broncos, where would you want to start? Well, I think it's important to start with the history-making moments. And, of course, that is, first of all, with Justin Herbert with the rookie passing TD record. I mean, truly incredible. He did it in 14 games, Daniel. Uh, I mean, just being able to watch him this season, regardless of the, you know, tough losses and all the, the bad things and all the questionable decisions we've seen from the coaching staff, Justin Herbert has been the bright spot. He has been so fun to watch. And come to think that maybe none of this would have ever happened if, you know, something didn't horribly happen to Tyrod Taylor with that punctured lung. But, I mean, what we've been able to see where we didn't think we were going to see Justin Herbert at all. I mean, truly incredible what he's been able to do. And also, you know, I know John's going to love this one with his touchdown catch on Sunday by Austin Eckler. He now ties LT for the most receiving touchdowns in Chargers history with 15. Yeah, I mean, yes, for he's a been, running back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, I think I'm pretty sure I know he has more receiving touchdowns than he has rushing touchdowns. That's kind of been his specialty. And I did like that play call going to him on that third and three and letting him make a man miss and get into the end zone. Of course, you know, if he doesn't make a man miss, I mean, it was set up really nicely. There was a good block on the play. All of those things are key. If the block gets missed, maybe it's a tackle at the line of scrimmage or something else. But of course, Austin Eckler is still good. But they only let him touch the ball four times in the first half, and I know that they were leading 13-0, to zero, but obviously we all know that that could have been easily, what, 21-24-0, to 24 to zero. so still would have liked to see him get involved a little bit more. But, John, it was nice to see Austin Eckler really taking things into his own hand at the end of the game. I mean, without those two big runs, obviously Justin Herbert could still find some guys, and then maybe, you know, they still get down there anyways. But, I mean, to see those chunk yards at the end of the game was really nice to see because it is what set up that game-winning field goal for the most part. So, Austin Eckler continues to be the only consistent bright spot on this team at running back. And that's with a bad offensive line. Somehow, with a bad offensive line, he is still able to find a way to get through a hole, make some guys slip off of him and still gain decent yardage, and then still do the same thing in the passing game. And this is after having that really bad hamstring injury, go figure. Guy gets hurt, comes back, and he's still more productive than guys that have been healthy all year. 
How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> it still puzzles mm-hmm. me, but I think you got to talk. If you're going to talk about Austin Eckler being clutch in this game on that last drive, you also got to bring up another thing that went right. Michael Badgley made all his kicks. <laughs> yep. It's it's kind of hard kind of hard to believe the guy you stole that stole one did of mine. A, I don't have that many, John. Damn it. A, a guy <laughs> that did a doink flag and a doink was not Michael Badgley. It was the Broncos kicker. Whoa, right. really? <laughs> Still blows my mind that the Broncos kicker, the one who's really well known in the league, is the one that did that and not Michael Badgley. And here's Michael Badgley makes all his field goals, all his extra points and the game-winning field goal for what, two of the last three he could have done three straight but you know kind of messed that up against the Raiders but yeah. another game winning field goal it's pretty crazy that Brandon McManus misses the the short field goals but hits the 50 plus ones I mean, it's like really <laughs> oh yeah I, I know mean, I, the Chargers I are the kings of that. that I mean think about still, the Kansas City I mean the guy makes two 50 yard eight yard field goals and then like two of the next three games he's missing extra points I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The Chargers kicker luck, I mean, either for them or against them, is really one of the strangest oh, things that we God. see as Charger fans. I know. it all. It's from Adam Vinatieri to this. I mean, it's either the other team's helping us or we're screwing ourselves. Uh, it never, never makes sense, really, with the Chargers curse, I guess you can call it. You can call it a curse. Either someone's helping us out and we still lose or we're screwing ourselves out. It, doesn't, it never seems to go our way. Well, and the special I mean, teams yeah. also in other areas helped out as well. I mean, Nas, uh, another just great return to start off the that's football game. That's a what game. went right. That's definitely a what well, went right. I mean, money. Nas has been so much fun to watch in the return game. We, we've talked about it, you know, a couple of times on the show about how just elusive he is and how he just finds the, the seam. It seems like he always gets to the outside and he's getting just ripping off big returns. I mean, uh, it sucks for Joe Reed, but Nas seems like he's taken that spot, and you know it's it's his now. Well, it really comes down to: is he going to be the starting safety? If he's the starting safety, do you want him out there returning the kick? Do you want to take that risk that he takes one big blow and now he's in concussion protocol and you don't have a safety anymore? I mean, that's a big risk. If he's not your starting safety, then it has to be his spot. Well, I think that one thing that is nice about it is if he's not the starting safety next year, if they decided to re-sign Rayshon Jenkins and they're good with Rayshon Jenkins and Derwin James being the starting safeties and having Nazir Adderley as depth, it's nice to have somebody at a depth position where you're able to use him in another way and have him be an explosive kick returner. But at the end of the day, if all Nazir Adderley ends up being is a good kick returner, that's not a good pick in the second round. I mean, when you're picking right there where the Chargers did, you expect that guy to be a starter at that position for you. So it's a weird thing, but it's definitely been a nice thing to see. They let Desmond King keep returning punts and kickoffs and punts are different, but they let him do that even when he was the starting slot corner. But even the special teams was a little bit better in this one, at least as far as the kickoff return coverage. The punt returns were still not great. They gave up a 21-yard punt return at one point, David, but... On kickoffs, they only allowed five returns for 111 yards, and I know the bar is set extremely low for the special teams, but I did think that was a small bright spot. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but acknowledge that ever since Andy Lynn took over the special teams that they have avoided being disastrous. I mean, as Daniel Popper wrote in his article, they're still probably going to go down as one of the worst special teams units in NFL history, but when 
And head coach Anthony Lynn took over. I mean, he has made things look better. And I mean, there's no way around that. So you got to give him some credit for that. And also, I want to give a shout out to Steven Anderson, too, for stepping up. I mean, yeah. four catches, 48 yards on six targets. And, you know, he broke some tackles and, and created some extra yards after the catch. So, I mean, for him to come up off the practice squad and come in and really be the guy that they were targeting as far as a tight end, I mean, got to give him some credit for that. Some props for Steven Anderson. I think Donald Parham deserves credit, too, because I don't think he showed you in this, oh, yeah, he can be your starting tight end, but I think he did still show that it could be a nice complimentary piece. And I did think he also showed that he can be a more explosive piece than Hunter Henry is. I mean, all of his catches, you know, going for 20-plus yards in this one, a couple of really big ones. Obviously, a guy who has really good speed after the catch. I thought the backup tight ends played well in this one. But, John, I do think even though there's they caught some breaks, the Chargers defense did, you know, obviously, but... At the same time, they went into this game without Joey Bosa, you know, so we weren't expecting good things. There was no Uchen and Wosu either, but they still were able to force field goals when it mattered. I mean, some of it was drops. Some of the drives were not, though. They, they did get some stops when they needed to. Even at the end of the game, after that, you know, fourth and 10, where the guy picks up 25 yards, at least they were smart enough to put everybody in the end zone this time instead of what we've seen from them earlier on in the season where they don't just have guys lined up back there because you know they're going to throw it there. Mike Williams comes away with the interception. The Chargers end up with two turnovers. I don't really count the last interception for Mike Williams, but they still forced a turnover early on. They still had to make the play. It was a ball that got tipped up in the air, but at least we're seeing them take advantage of those opportunities. And the, the defense, at the end of the day, gives up only 16 points. And if you were to tell me that, Without Joey Bosa, without Uchenna and Wosu, without Derwin James and Drew Tranquil, I would still have been surprised. So I do think that they get some credit for at least holding them to field goals in the second half. They didn't have the total meltdown of four straight touchdowns they did in the first game. So I did think there was a somewhat inspired performance by the defense. Yeah, there definitely was. And this is the, the other thing is we've also, I want to say like maybe like six games this year, we made a key success. <clears throat> A key to success being hold teams to field goals because right. you're, you're, they're going to get their yards. But if you hold them to field goals, then you're st- you're still in the game and you have a chance to win in the end. And this was a great example of it, really. The Broncos were moving the ball pretty well in this game, and even in the second half. I mean, even the first half, they had a couple of decent drives, and one of them was a missed field goal. And in the second half, they had a lot of really good drives. I mean, they had four scoring drives, and one of them was a touchdown. The other three are field goals. That makes 16 points. If they were all four touchdowns, that's 28. And you now you're looking at a 28 to 19 score, or you're down 28, 16 at the end, and you got to hope that Herbert scores, and you get an onside kick or a defensive stop and score again. The field goals made a big difference in this game. But speaking of Herbert, I know we mentioned him making history with the touchdown passes, but did Herbert not look beautiful running the ball around? Oh yeah, <laughs> we've been wanting that forever. He looked. Did you guys see the smile the on his face on that fourth and eight? He was like, "Yeah, it, it, it was pretty fantastic, man." He, he's like, <laughs> "Yep, I'm gonna get this one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he had four rushes for 26 yards. He converted a fourth and eight. He escaped pressure in this game too a couple of times. That was amazing pocket presence. You got to give him major credit in this game for his what he did on his feet, just as much as for what he did on his with his arm. When it wasn't the best game with his arm, and I think you saw that in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin when he was at Oregon, 
when it isn't working, sometimes he can take you know the game on his shoulders with his legs, and he scored three rushing touchdowns in that game. Didn't get a rushing touchdown in this one, and 8-for-26 doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to factor in the situations as well. And John's always been saying, hey, I wish he would tuck it more often. A lot of times there's lanes there, and I think he takes less hits when he does do that, when he scrambles, because at least he sees the hits most of the time. He did have the one play where he didn't really have the presence to feel the guy coming up behind him, which turned into the big strip for a 20-yard loss. Credit to Donald Parham. That's what went right, that he got on top of that, because that's points for the Broncos if he doesn't. But I do think that that's something that we should see a little bit more. It's always the balance of trying to protect him, but also getting the most out of him. They're still not doing enough with him outside of the pocket and letting him throw on the run and rolling him out to the right. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me why they're not doing more of that, the Chargers, for their offense, especially with the bad offensive line. But you keep seeing like little glimpses of what he can be if he decides to do that. I mean... If he starts doing that on third and eights, fourth and eights, things like that, because on that one, you could tell he didn't care if he was sliding or not. He was going to go try to get that first down. If we could see that a little bit more for them, I do think the, I mean, it would make him even that much harder to stop. But there were some positives from this game. The Chargers finished a game, which is a positive, even though it didn't seem like they were trying to for a little bit. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We did get some voicemails from you guys. I think we still have space for a couple of more. If you guys want to get on tomorrow's show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. Yours will probably be on tomorrow's show if you get it in quickly. But if you guys don't already, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page of Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. That's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show, and we'd appreciate it if you guys would rate and review as well. But we will be back with you guys tomorrow to get into some voicemail and get into the latest news and updates for the Chargers. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.